Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumb Cast. In this, the high noon of season five, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every goddamn page of MT2, the Weird Weird West, the second in a trio of time travel adventures for TSR's Marvel Superheroes RPG. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Weird Weird West was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Welcome to this bonus podcast time machine episode of Mega Dumbcast. Last episode, we discussed page 48 of The Weird Weird West, which contained a big reveal. The mysterious hooded figures, who appeared once near the beginning of this adventure and then never again, dramatically revealed themselves to be Dr. Doom and also some other people. Dr. Doom is the headline here. Dr. Doom is a huge, big-time supervillain, and it turns out that he has been active behind the scenes throughout this adventure. I've been concealing this spoiler from you, the listener, all this time. So now that you know, it's time to get in the podcast time machine and go back and talk about some extremely dumb stuff that I was not able to talk about along the way, and to catch you up on what's been going on this whole time. First, a tiny bit of old business. Last time, I gave you the opportunity to play along with the little history quiz on page 48, where the heroes are supposed to identify the inaccuracies in some little blurbs about different times and places. I didn't give the answers then. I'm going to give them now. A. You step out into a windy August morning in 1945 and witness an atomic bomb explode over the distant town of Dresden. Of course, the answer here is that Dresden was never hit by an atomic bomb. We already talked about Gettysburg. Event C. You see William Shakespeare penning A Midsummer Night's Fancy in Avon. That is the incorrect title. The title of the play is A Midsummer Night's Dream. Event D. You see the Avengers rescue Union Jack. He becomes the leader of the Avengers. The inaccuracy is that the Avengers actually rescued Captain America. Event E. Thrust into the Africa of early man, you witness a caveman bring down a tyrannosaur with a stone spear. There are things wrong here on multiple levels. The answer that the author is looking for is, there were no dinosaurs alive during the age of the cavemen. I'm not sure this one quite works. There are lots of dinosaurs at lots of times in Marvel continuity, and I'm not sure that age of the cavemen is a scientifically accepted span of time in the first place, but let's move on. Event F, you see Jack Ruby lean out of the window of the Texas Book Depository building in Dallas, Texas, and assassinate President John F. Kennedy. The inaccuracy is that Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy, Jack Ruby killed Oswald. Event G, you see Thomas Alva Edison in his shop in Menlo Park, fitting a thin iron filament into his latest invention, the electric light bulb. The inaccuracy here is that the secret to Edison's invention was the use of a tungsten filament. Event H, you were in a theater in 1938 watching Mickey Mouse in his first cartoon, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Mickey Mouse's first cartoon appearance was in Steamboat Willie, not The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Finally, Event L, you see King Richard signing the Magna Carta in 1215 granting certain rights to his subjects for the first time. The inaccuracy is that it was King John, not King Richard, who signed the Magna Carta. So with that out of the way, the best place to begin understanding what's been going on with Dr. Doom this whole time is to turn all the way back to page six to Dr. Doom's write-up. There's a stat block here for Dr. Doom as he was in the time he traveled here from, 1968. More on that in a moment. He's not quite as powerful as in his modern incarnation. Here's the relevant part. Quote, early in his career, Doom built a practical working time machine which was later captured by the Fantastic Four. Shortly after completing the time machine, he noticed the temporal chaos emanating from Dodge City of the 1870s and sent a probe back in time to bring him further information. The probe was only able to relay a few scant pieces of information before it was destroyed by unknown means, but Doom learned enough to deduce the presence of a living creature feeding upon time itself, the Chronovore. He then recruited a group of villains and led them back into the past, where he hopes to gain control over the Chronovore and use it to blackmail the multiverse. The text goes on to say, quote, Note that the Doctor Doom whom the heroes will encounter in this adventure 
is the same evil tyrant who fought the Fantastic Four in their earliest adventures. He has not yet experienced anything that has happened more than a year or two into his career as a villain. So that's the basic outline here. Already we've got timing issues. I'm not overly concerned about these because you would have to be the most persnickety of comic book fans, which is to say me, to care about the details here, but it actually does make a difference that I think the casual player will notice if they're comic book fans at all, especially if they're playing the West Coast Avengers, who are the default characters for this adventure. Doctor Doom did not make his debut in 1968. Doctor Doom made his debut in 1961. The henchmen that he brought with him, whom we'll get to in a moment, all pretty much debuted in those very early Marvel days. Like, I think they were all around by 1963, maybe 1964. 1968 is very late, almost too late, because there was a period of time where Doctor Doom is canonically out of action, and his period of activity barely overlaps with the last time that one of his henchmen, the second Black Knight, Nathan Garrett, appeared in 1968 because he died. Uh, so for Doctor Doom to be here from 1968 with Black Knight, these events have to have taken place precisely in the third week of March in 1968 or whatever. Also, it says explicitly here, this is within the first couple of years of Doctor Doom's supervillain career and shortly after he built the time machine, which he had in his first appearance. It's very odd to identify 1968 as like the second or third year of Doctor Doom's supervillain career, because that isn't when he first appeared. But also, I don't think it had really solidified by this time, but Marvel Comics has a thing, uh, they have a sliding time scale. And basically the way this works is, to keep their characters from all getting old and dying, the assumption is the earliest stuff that happened in the Marvel Silver Age, like Fantastic Four get their powers, Spider-Man shows up, the Avengers form, they find Captain America, Frozen in Ice, all that stuff, is always assumed to have happened about 15 years ago from whatever the present is. If you count 15 years back from 1989, though, that's like 1974. 1968 would be too early. So it's not at all clear to me whether the author wanted us to think there was a sliding timescale or not. No matter which way you slice it, 1968 is not Doctor Doom Year 3. The reason this is significant is because some of the West Coast Avengers, who are the default player characters for this adventure, debuted around the same time that Doctor Doom did. And all these comic books tie together. So, like, if 1968 is year three of Doctor Doom's career, Hawkeye pretty much needs to be around already. Otherwise, the various early Marvel crossovers and stuff don't hang together. You know, Doctor Doom has met Hawkeye. In fact, in real life, by 1968, Doctor Doom had already been in comics with Hawkeye. But it says in the text that Doctor Doom wouldn't recognize Hawkeye. So either the 1968 figure is wrong, or we're doing some kind of sliding time scale or something. I don't know. The point is, though, if Doctor Doom is three years into his career by 1968, that means that Hawkeye is an active crime fighter, 1968, maybe 1969. If that's the case, then Hawkeye, who was a player character in this adventure, and was at least in his early 20s at the time he started being a superhero, would now be in at least his early 40s, which is significantly older than Hawkeye is portrayed as being. Ditto Scarlet Witch. She actually first appeared before Hawkeye, and you know, if you look at her picture and her biography, th this does not appear to be a 42-year-old woman who just had twins even imaginary twins. The detail that Doctor Doom comes from 1968 here is totally unnecessary, but it is explicit in the text and it fucks up the whole chronology. If anybody asks how old their player character is, I don't know what the judge is going to tell them. And it actually is relevant here, like we kind of need to know which of these characters recognize each other once the fighting starts. So okay, those are the basics. Putting aside the question of when the fuck Doctor Doom is supposed to be from and what that means, I have questions about his plan. He knew there was a Chronovore here, but all indications point to him not knowing that there would be other time travelers here. In which case, I wonder why he went to all the trouble to disguise himself and his henchmen 
when no one here would recognize them. I can understand why he would cover up his armor, just because his armor is creepy, especially when it's naked. I don't know if you've ever seen Dr. Doom's armor without clothes, but it's uncomfortable. But there are people on this team that Dr. Doom has recruited who have normal human faces and are not encased in metal at all times. You could have just sent them around to talk to people in their fancy outfits or not. It's not like any of them are wanted for crimes in 1871. Nobody's got a bad reputation yet. Also, as should now be apparent to you, you know, Dr. Doom and his henchmen were the ones in the android cave. Dr. Doom brought these androids back in time with him. Why did he bring a Mark Twain costume? I mean, Mark Twain was a known figure by this time. He was on the lecture circuit, but I don't think he would necessarily have been the best or most believable choice to be wandering around Dodge City asking people for information. Now let's talk about who is in these other robes. When you walk into the final chamber of the Chronovore's brain and you see these six robed figures, the hooded figures, gathered around the machine, Dr. Doom throws back his hoods. Presumably the others follow suit. A few seconds later, respectfully, these are Dr. Doom's henchmen, who are also listed in the beginning of the book in pages that we skipped as pure spoilers. You could scarcely pick a group of henchmen more impossible to disguise with hoods and robes. Let me just give you a rundown. Starts off not too bad with Sandman. Sandman, a perennial supervillain henchman, highly underrated, very powerful, not a lot of initiative, tends to do what he's told, willing to work for other supervillains, at least some of the time. He reformed a little bit later in his career, but in the time period that Doom has taken him from, ideal henchman, and crucially, just looks like a dude. You know, until he starts doing all this weird sand stuff and turning his arms into hammers and stuff, when he's in his normal state, he just looks like a guy. He could pass for a desperado. I can imagine him getting stopped by Kid Colt for looking suspicious. So good choice with Sandman. Immediately downhill with henchman number two, Mysterio, who is identified here as Quentin Black, but that isn't his name. His name is Quentin Beck. Now Mysterio, if you're not familiar with him, is this kind of like con man illusionist type supervillain. Maybe not the best choice. He's more of like a long form supervillain. It's weird to bring him all the way back to 1871 just to kind of follow you in a black robe and provide muscle, be an enforcer. Maybe he made all the android cosplay. That seems like it might be in his wheelhouse. But anyway, regardless of why Dr. Doom felt it was important to bring Mysterio back in time, the big thing you need to know about Mysterio is that he has a gigantic fishbowl-style helmet. This helmet is essential to Mysterio's gimmick because Mysterio uses gas that can knock people out and cause hallucinations and such, and he protects himself from his own gas with his helmet. If Mysterio is going to be ready to do what little Mysterio can do in a fight, he needs to be wearing his helmet, which, if you can fit a black hood over it, is going to continue to look like a giant fishbowl. There's also the question of the rest of his costume. I encourage you to do a Google image search for Mysterio. That's M-Y-S-T. Mysterio with a Y has one of the more garish costumes among 1960s supervillains, and that is a big goddamn statement. How could Dr. Doom outdo himself in impossible-to-conceal supervillain henchmen after knocking it out of the park with Mysterio? With henchman number three, the Black Knight, Nathan Garrett. Black Knight has a full-on helmet and suit of chainmail armor like an actual medieval knight. His only significant weapon, or indeed contribution of any kind, is a lance. If you saw Black Knight in a black hood and robe just walking down the street, you would think, wow, it looks like that extremely evil medieval knight is expecting rain. You wouldn't have a moment's hesitation. You can't miss a big evil energy lance. But in Black Knight's defense, lances can be put down. That brings us to henchman number four, Scorpion. Of course, a classic Spider-Man villain, another very mercenary villain. He's a good choice in that sense. He's a bad choice in the sense that he has a gigantic green mechanical tail. Also a full-body green suit. I'm not exactly sure of the chronology, 
but this is probably during the period of time where he either couldn't or wouldn't take this suit off, and in any case, if he's gonna take the suit off, then he ceases to be Scorpion, and Doctor Doom's just got an extremely unreliable bald man following him around, with no useful abilities. Obviously, if you're gonna bring Scorpion, he's gotta have the suit on, otherwise he's useless, and if he has the suit on, how are you gonna hide a 100% coverage green bodysuit and like a 5 foot long, thick mechanical tail under a black robe and hood? I remind you that the player characters, our heroes, were standing in a small room with all six of these villains in their black robes and hoods and had a 0% chance to recognize any of them, including default player character Tigra, who has monstrous enhanced senses. Absolute horseshit. And oh, by the way, uh, for those of you who are math inclined, you may have counted up those villains and noticed Doctor Doom, Sandman, Mysterio, Black Knight, Scorpion. That's five villains. There are six robed figures. Who's the sixth? Fuck if I know. They forgot to put them in. So it's going to be a moment of panic for the judge when these six villains throw back their hoods and the judge is like, before you, you see Doctor Doom, Sandman, Mysterio, Black Knight, Scorpion, and then also flipping nervously through the adventure. Also, next to them, throwing back their hood, um, you, uh, actually, that one keeps his hood on. It's a big mystery. It's a big reveal for later. Don't worry about that. Five, five big villains have been revealed, and then the other one we could save for later. He's behind the machine. He actually seems, possibly you've caught him when he needs to go to the bathroom. So you don't know who he is yet, uh, but he is a guy. Identity known only to me. You could, you could very easily miss that there is not a sixth person until you actually go to try to put all this shit together. I did. It was a shock to me on page 48 that there is not a sixth guy. That seems like a, a major editing oversight. Okay, so we've got Dr. Doom and his four henchmen walking around the desert in black robes, trailed by one mystery robe figure, like fucking Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. They're strutting around like they own the place. They make an agreement with the Crowsar, right, as we know. You may be wondering why they made this arrangement with the Crowsar. Wasn't Dr. Doom prepared? He was, but remember those wrecked electronics that we found in the android cave? That's the machinery that Dr. Doom brought from the present to take control of the chronovore, but he too faced time turbulence. Apparently Sandman was driving the time machine, and you know he doesn't know shit about the Magna Carta, so there was some turbulence, and all of Doom's electronic equipment got broken, except for the time machine itself, uh, and his armor, and also all of Mysterio's gear, and also the androids, and also Black Knight's electric lance. Everything, nothing was destroyed except the crucial equipment. So, Dr. Doom had to go make a deal with the Crowsar. Give me your equipment. In exchange, I will give you information about this temporal disturbance. Little do they know that this mysterious black hooded figure and these other mysterious black hooded figures are going to betray them in the end. Apparently, these lizard people are not into genre fiction. Otherwise, they would know the rules. If they're in black robes, they're going to betray you in the end. If they're in white robes, they're going to turn out to be like angels in the end. So, it is on one occasion when Doom and his henchmen, who are very gamely wearing these black hoods and robes everywhere, pulled up in the 114 degree desert. They're at the Crozar camp. They're talking to the Crozar leader. All of them have somehow failed to notice that the player characters are standing right there in the room. As mentioned, Hawkeye's remarkable vision, Tigra's monstrous senses, the fact that I think all of these people have met most of these villains before, certainly Dr. Doom. Regardless, there's 0% chance to recognize them, right? But then when they leave, these have to be the easiest villains in the world to track. Sandman is ambulatory sand. I don't know if he smells like anything, but if he does, it's going to be distinctive. Dr. Doom may have a change of robes, but does not have a change of armor. He has been walking around or flying around in this heat, completely encased in metal. His smell is going to be noticeable. 
Likewise, Black Knight, I don't know how many months or years it's been since Scorpion changed his fucking clothes. We've got distinctive footwear, and therefore footprints on at least Doctor Doom and Black Knight, probably also Sandman, given his weight. There's no reason we should not be able to track these hooded figures. If we did, we would follow them straight to the Chronovore. When we meet the hooded figures, all they really need is like one piece of equipment to give them enough power to run the Chronovore tracking machine. They take it right back to the cave. They go directly from the Android cave to the Chronovore's mountain. They've got it all figured out already at the beginning of the module so that they can beat us to the mountain. So if we were able to quite simply track them from this scene where they're standing right in front of us, then we would just walk directly to the last scene of the adventure. And there'd be no harm done. There's no need to recruit all the generals and have the big conflict and stop the beta bomb and everything if you get here and deal with the Chronovore first before any of that shit happens. So yeah, if we could track them, this adventure would be like eight scenes long, so we just can't. Also, Mysterio. Good for very little in a fight, but he's a hypnotist. He can hypnotize people. Why are Doom and company negotiating with the Crozar leader when they could just hypnotize him? Also, Mysterio's whole thing is that he's a master of illusion and disguise. Why are all five of these villains and I guess the Holy Spirit walking around the desert in thick, black, hot robes when they brought a master of goddamn disguise with them from the present? They don't need to hide themselves in the first place, but given that they do, maybe let the guy with the hologram projector do the work, make a hologram of black robes, and then under the holograms, everybody can wear shorts. You're going to have much better morale on your villain team. Hey, remember at the Android Cave? When there were the blips on the screen, and I was telling you, I don't know anything about these blips, I'm sorry, the text is telling me nothing. Well, what the text was telling me is, each blip represents one of Dr. Doom's androids that he sent out to gather information, like his Mark Twain android that he sent out, and it ingratiated itself to Alexander the Great, and started gathering information about his operation and beaming it back to the android cave. The text says that Doom spread these androids out all over the place, so you see blips everywhere, and therefore, because of the information they're sending back, if you just go up to the computer and tap, 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 you can find out anything you want to know about anywhere in the Dodge City region. That would seem to suggest that these androids, who I guess are disguised as historical figures, have total coverage of the Dodge City area, which we have crisscrossed again and again throughout this fucking adventure, and we have never run into one more conspicuously historical-looking android. But I guess there are a bunch out there, but there's no information for the judge about them. Also, while they have blanketed the empty desert... No androids seem to have ingratiated themselves to Genghis Khan or Napoleon or the Crozar leader, the three other key figures in this era. Next, I'd like you to consider the personalities of these villains. Sandman, a goon. Scorpion, an antisocial prick. Mysterio, a cruel preening sleazeball. The Black Knight, no personality on record. And Dr. Goddamn Doom. These five villains, plus whatever's holding that other robe up, stonewall us in the Crozar leader's office if we try to get their attention and get them to engage with us by attacking them, insulting them, dishonoring them, accusing them, annoying them, these are all tactics player characters are known to use, sometimes for no reason. But no matter what we try, Scorpion won't turn and tell us to shut up. No matter what we do, Dr. Doom will not respond to being insulted to his face. None of these people recognize us, supposedly. I mean, the intention is that this is from too early in their career for them to have met any of us yet. Although, once again, the timeline doesn't work on that. But that's the intent. It's part of the plot that none of them know who we are. Why would they conceal their identities from us? Finally, and this is... Listen, it's not the big one, but it's my favorite. It's the most special one to me. Remember when we went to the Android Cave? Dr. Doom's hideout. 
We saw Dr. Doom's in-progress vision board with a little note about how he's done it now. He's going to rule the universe. We found the computer. We found all the wrecked electronics. We found that time machine. Remember what we also found in the cave? A pile of black robes. And just now, on page 48, we found the villains. They're in a mountain, in a cave, in a hole, in the brain of a time-eating monster. And they're still wearing, not their first black robes of the day, but their spares. They, they, on their way to conquer time and space, they stopped in at headquarters at the Android Cave, doffed their black robes, left them in a neat pile on the floor, and then put on their change of robes to go walk to the isolated mountain no one else knows about so that they could dramatically pull back their hoods when we got there. Unbelievable. Leave it to Doom to bring a change of robes for everybody. My God, what a fucking mess this whole plotline is. But I'm sure it's all going to be worth it when we finally have our climactic showdown with this exciting lineup of villains. Uh, I, I invite you to cling to that hope for a couple more pages and join me next time on the next regular episode of Make a Dumbcast as we discuss handouts for yet another history quiz on MDC, the Make a Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret, patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's theme music, used under Creative Commons license, is Western Firefight 2 by Kula, whose work you can find at kula.com. That's C-U-L-L-A-H dot com. Thanks for listening.